Hey, good morning as well, Calvary family. Glad to be with you here this morning. Um, I appreciate Dave Seidman and our school teachers who really it's a calling to be at a private Christian school. You're giving up uh, maybe what you could earn in, in a different setting to be here, to be able to pour into our kids both academically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that's not to negate anyone called to the public school. I love, love your calling as well. But particularly, I just want to thank Dave and, and the teachers here at Calvary Christian. So well done, you guys. Let's keep it up. <laughs> We're in this series right now called Life with God. Before I even get into that, does anyone else see Wally when you look at these little lights right here? Is this, uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks in my most distracted moment. Well, I'll focus completely on the message. But uh, <laughs> we're talking about life with God. It's this idea that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that ushers you into the abundant life. A relationship with the God Almighty. A relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth. A relationship with the one who defines life and gives life. And so if that's who we have the opportunity to have a relationship with, wouldn't we want to take advantage of it? Wouldn't we want to experience practices that just encourage us and cause intimacy in this life with God. And yet sadly, and I'm going to point at myself primarily, but you can listen in if you want. Sadly, we often miss out on life with God. We're like this. Take this analogy. Imagine a husband and wife on their wedding day, giving their vows to one another, pledging their lives to one another, like Bob and Sue Morris, 40 years today. It's awesome. Well done, you guys. And so they're pledging their lives. Say Bob and Sue are up here. We could do this right now, Bob and Sue, if you want. We could read, no, anyway. But um, they're pledging their lives. They say, I do. Uh, they're pronounced husband and wife. They head down the aisle. And then as they exit the church, they look at each other and say, that was awesome. Wow. How cool was that? We just pledged our lives to one another. We're in covenant together. Hey, I'll see you next year, okay? That, that was really great, all right? Um, you know what? Anniversary, let's catch back up. Can you imagine? Like that's, that wouldn't be any relationship, right? I give you my life. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you on the 40th. <laughs> but that's what we do as Christians, isn't it? We give our lives to Jesus at the age of seven at VBS or at Harvest Crusade in our 20s or, or whatever your story is. We give our lives to God. We say, God, my life is now in your life. You've redeemed me. You've saved me. You've made me new. And oh yeah, I'll call you when I need you. Well, let's catch up in a year from now. We're good, God. We're in covenant. But I'm, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm wearing the ring, but I have no relationship. I know I've fallen into that in my life, not taking advantage of the wonders of having a day-to-day -day life with God. But here's the cool thing. Every time I've run back to the Father, every time I've had a prodigal moment where I've said, God, I repent, I've been doing things on my own, I run back to you. What I hear from the Lord is not, where have you been? 
It's about time. Wow. Took you a lot longer this time than it did last time. <laughs> no. Every time I run back into the loving arms of the Father, I hear, I love you. I can't wait to be with you. I am your God, and I am your life. Amen? Amen. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we've given our lives to and covenant. This is the God who invites us to be with him. And so this fall, we're talking through these practices of uh, here are some good practices, some things that, that can help you be with God. In a sense, going back to the marriage analogy, here's some good date night ideas. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't weird you out with God. <laughs> Here's some, here's some practices that will just draw you close, help you understand the character of God, experience intimacy with God. And so we've already had a great opportunity to touch on some practices. Today we're going to look at the practice of fasting. You were all leaning in until I mentioned that word right there. <laughs> My guess is, and I'm not trying to judge you, probably 99% of us rarely, if ever, practice this spiritual discipline. Fasting. My prayer, though, is today is that you'll be encouraged to either try it for the first time or return to it in this life with God. Why don't we experience more of, of this discipline? Why don't we enter into fasting? Well, I think it's because <laughs> there's a thing called hangry, right? When you're hungry and you're angry and they mix together, hangry. How many of you have ever had a cat who was hangry? And this cat will not let you be at peace when this cat is hungry. It just rubs up against your leg and annoys you until you go open that can of cat food. And that's many of us when it comes to our relationship with food. The idea of withdrawing from food, from, from denying ourselves of a meal, makes us, even the thought of it, makes us feel hangry. So I decided to practice a 24-hour fast this weekend. And I know the scriptures say, don't let people know you're fasting, so I just broke that rule right there. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I decided to do this, and so did my wife, Marie, it's kind, of, it's kind of like right before you go to the dentist and you floss real quick. That's kind of what I was doing in preparation for this message. <laughs> I love food. I love it. And I'll get into a, a little bit in a few minutes of even my relationship with food and, and some struggles that I have there. But fasting has not been something that I've often done in my life. In fact, frankly, I'd rather talk to you about sexual ethics today or the violence in the Old Testament than to talk about this theme right here. Because it's not something I've experienced a ton in my life. But as I've studied the scriptures this week, prayed, and then even tried to fast here, oh, I've seen some of the benefits, the blessings of how this helps us be with God. So Friday night, skip dinner. The fast starts for me go to Chick-fil-A with my kids and my in-laws. And I sit right down the street here at the Chick-fil-A and watch them eat the most delicious meal I've ever seen in my life. We leave Chick-fil-A, 
we drive down the 55 freeway and we go to my high school kids' uh, high school football game. If you've ever been to a high school football game, one of the things they are known for is bands and cheerleaders and, of course, football, but also the most delicious $2 burgers you've ever smelt in your life. This is my motion of flipping the burger right here. And so the whole football game, I'm smelling the burgers being grilled not far from us. Saturday morning, wake up. We have a tradition in our family on uh, most Saturdays, if, if we're doing things well, if we're organized, we'll have a special breakfast together, typically pancakes or waffles in the Doan home. And so here I am dreaming of pancakes and waffles yesterday morning. <laughs> Make it through the day, I'm mowing the lawn yesterday afternoon, and I'm just picturing as I'm mowing that the lawnmower is my mouth and the grass is chips and salsa. <laughs> right here. <laughs> then last night, I went to a fundraiser for a great ministry that does work in India. And it was a, a delicious meal. They were serving steak. And uh, I uh, actually got up and opened the, the fundraiser in prayer. And I said, hey, you guys, I can't wait to eat tonight's meal. It's going to be delicious. And so then I pray for it. I sit down, and then I realize that the serving staff never showed up. And so there's only a couple people that are serving the meal to about 20 tables. I'm like, shoot. All right, I'm the pastor here. I got to go do something. And so, uh, so I get up, and I start helping the team serve the meals. And I'm carrying each plate of steak and potatoes and carrots in this special sauce. And I'm saying, enjoy your meal <laughs> as I put it down right there. This was my life the last 24 hours. There was struggles, Chick-fil-A, burgers at the high school football game, missing pancakes, serving a meal to someone that I couldn't have. But let me tell you, let me tell you, the sense that God was near me was awesome. The sense that I have nothing to rely on right now. I can't cover anything with my food intake. I just have to depend on God right now was tangible. And I want to invite you to that as well. There's a great passage in the Gospel of John. I want you to turn there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at John chapter 6. Just one verse. John 6.35. I want you to see it in your own Bibles, even though it's on the screen. There's Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. John 6.35. We read these powerful words from Jesus. Ironically, this is the same chapter where Jesus feeds the 5,000, gives them bread, multiplies the fish and the loaves, in John 6.35, this is one of the I am statements of Jesus. You remember from the Old Testament and Abraham asking God, who should I tell sent me? And God says, tell them I am. I am sent you. Jesus now takes that, that precious covenant name of God and applies it to himself. He says things like, I am the gate or I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and then here in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says these incredible words. I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so what Jesus said to his disciples in this moment, to those listening in, to centuries of the church who have read this very passage, and to us today, this matters. It doesn't fade away. It's not old news. This is current news. Jesus is the bread of life. All who come to him will never be hungry. Many of us have tried to satisfy our appetites with other things, with sex, with academics, with friendships, with a good job, with family, with homes, with shoes, with stuff, with sunsets, fill in the blank. We've tried to fill the the God-sized hole in our lives. We've tried to feast on something other than Jesus Christ. And maybe it's filled us for a, a moment, but then we've become hungry again. It's like the most wonderful Chinese food. You walk out of the Chinese restaurant so full, and then about an hour later, you're like, I need to make a ham sandwich. (laughs) Nothing will satisfy us other than the Messiah, the one who came, who lived the life that we couldn't live, Jesus Christ. I am the bread, and I will give you true satisfaction. I just feel compelled right now. Maybe there's a couple of you who are searching right now and you've not placed your faith in Jesus. You have not made him what you feasted on. You've not acknowledged Jesus as the savior, the Lord, the leader of your life. I just wanna like, stop right now. Let's just do that right now. <laughs> Make this your moment of faith right now. Close your eyes if you can. And I wanna speak to anyone who's not sure where they stand with God. Maybe they've tried to fill their, their spiritual hunger with so many things and have just left wanting and somehow they showed up here today and, and you're just going, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm here. God wants to speak to you right now. Make him the bread of your life. Acknowledge your sin and say these words, Jesus, I know I need a savior. I've tried looking for, for saviors all over this place and I've been left hungry. In this moment, I I invite you, Jesus Christ, to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Fill me. Become the leader, the, the Lord of my life. This is my prayer right now in the moment of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. It's awesome. So Jesus is the one that satisfies us. And if you just made that decision or if you've made that decision in your life, you're you're invited into a wonderful journey with God. But I have to give you a, a realistic portrait of what this life is like. Many of us can relate to this idea of what it says in the book of Galatians. Paul writing here, Paul had a radical conversion of giving his life to the Messiah, Jesus. 
Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 these words. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are just the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You see, there is a war going on for each of us. It's what the flesh wants, which is translated here in the NLT to be sinful nature, versus what the spirit wants. And there's a battle going on in our lives. Flesh versus spirit. Every day you wake up, probably in the flesh, going, my life is about me. I'm at the center here. Everything needs to revolve around me. And prayerfully, as God's grace invades your morning, then you are able to surrender the self and the, the flesh and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. May I live in the spirit today. Your spirit is in me and I have full access to you. And so there's that battle that rages and wages in us each day. It kind of reminds me of being at Newport. And say you wear your swimsuit down to the beach and you want to go in the water. But as you get older, like us adults, like kids just run in, no big deal. But as you get older, you begin to weigh this out, right? Like, do I really want to get in the water? I came down here with the intention to get in the water, but do I really want to get in? And maybe you put your foot in and you're like, ooh, that's cold. <laughs> that's really cold. And then you put another foot in. I wonder if there's sharks here. <laughs> and you start just kind of questioning. And, and many times, I know in my life, I lose the battle. My kids are like, come on in, Dad. And I'm like, next time, next time. And that's kind of even how the, the spirit and the flesh battle, right? Like, I, I want to do this. Uh, maybe not. Uh, well, should I do this? Uh, it's just this constant battle. Aaron Holm gave me this quote, though, and I love this. In fasting, we starve the flesh in order to feed the spirit. Isn't that good? Now, there's many ways to feed the spirit, and that's what these practices are about. But I want to introduce or invite you to the idea that fasting can be a way to starve the flesh and, and feed the spirit. It's interesting to think through how Satan uses food throughout the scriptures. Go back to the original sin in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we see Satan show up in the garden. The world has no sin in it at this point. Adam and Eve are instructed by God just a few verses before this in Genesis 3 that you may partake, you may eat of any tree, of any fruit in the garden except for this one. And then Satan appears. And you can see the quote on the screen goes twisting, twisting truth. He goes, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, I don't believe that the fruit in this story is evil. What Satan is tempting Eve and Adam with in this moment is you can be like God. You don't need to serve under God. You can be like him. You don't need to, to surrender your life to him. Just, just do your own thing. And so that's the ultimate core of this temptation. But look at the mode what the enemy uses for that. He uses food. And we know the rest of the story. Sin enters the world and we feel the effects of it every single day. 
just kind of move your shoulder back and forth right now. It's like, ouch. It's one of the effects of sin right there. So our body's breaking down. Interestingly enough, Satan shows up again in the New Testament. In the Gospel of Matthew is one place this is recorded where Jesus goes on a fast. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Understatement right there, right? 40 days of fasting. The scriptures record that Jesus was very hungry. The next verse says this in uh, chapter 4, verse 3. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So Jesus is fasting here 40 days. He's hungry. Satan shows up. And again, the, the ultimate temptation is prove yourself. Show yourself. I don't believe you. But the mode that Satan uses with Jesus is the same mode that he uses with Adam and Eve. He uses food. He says, turn this stone into bread. Now, the good news, the most amazing news, Adam and Eve fell for Satan's schemes in Genesis 3. In Matthew 4, look at Jesus' response. Matthew 4, 4. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The reason that we can be forgiven of our sins because of what Jesus did on the cross is because Jesus was tempted in every way, but said no to sin. Amen? Amen. This is our God. This is our Savior, the sinless lamb, the spotless one, the one who faced temptation and perfectly obeyed God so that when we disobey God, we can be made right with God through Jesus' work. But I just think it's interesting to note that food was the mode that was used here. One kind of side note here. Often I've thought through this or heard messages of, you know, this was probably the, the weakest moment of Jesus' life. Fasting for 40 days, he's so hungry, and that's when Satan decides to show up. But I read something this week that made me kind of pause and go, oh, that's an interesting thought. Jesus also had just completed 40 days of saying yes to God and no to his flesh. So he had 40 days of practice for this temptation from Satan. It's kind of a different way of thinking about it, huh? It's one of the benefits of fasting. We feed the spirit to starve the flesh. So Jesus perfectly succeeds the temptation. We read about fasting in other parts of the Bible too, both in the Hebrew in the Old Testament and the Greek in the New Testament. When it comes to the idea of fasting, it's particularized to fasting from food. Now, there's other great fasts that we can do. I think we all should fast from social media, right? There should be moments where we fast from this. We can fast from chocolate during Lent or, or TV or, or, or whatever you feel like God's calling you to do. The newspaper, your cable news. There's good things that we can fast from other than food. And I do want to make a note that for some of us that take medication that that need intake of food, 
or if you have a relationship with food that is unhealthy, where at times you, you abstain from food because of body image issues, probably fasting isn't for you if you're in one of those categories, both medically or if, if it's something that even you struggle with some type of disorder in. It's probably not the season for fasting for you right now. But for the rest of us, there's this idea that it's good to fast from lots of things, but particularly in the Bible, it talks about fasting from food. We see this throughout the scriptures. In Leviticus chapter 23, we read about the Day of Atonement. This one day where the nation of Israel would come together and lament and repent of their sins and fast and then receive forgiveness from God, reconciliation with God. And by the way, this is kind of cool how these things land. The Day of Atonement, as followed by the Jewish calendar, is this Wednesday. Yom Kippur, it's now called. Day of Atonement. Pretty cool. We'll get into that in a minute. We see Moses fasting before he receives the Ten Commandments. Hannah fasts as she prays and cries out to God in infertility. Daniel fasts in Daniel chapter 10 as he waits on this vision from God. Nehemiah fasts before he goes to the king and asks him for this crazy request to, to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem. Ezra and Elijah fast as their roles as prophets, praying for God's protection and, and providing. We read, see as with Jesus fasts here. Paul fasted when he had this experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. So that he went without food for, for several days. And then we see in the book of Acts that the, the early church fasted. Jesus, in fact, says in Matthew chapter 6, and when you fast, not if you fast, if some of you want to fast, but when, he's, he's assuming that fasting is, is a practice that, that most followers of Jesus will do. But then he does give this disclaimer right here, which is helpful to understand. He says, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. There's some dangers in all of these spiritual practices. There's dangers to make it about ourselves, to make it self-serving. Fasting is not simply an intermittent fasting to lose weight or to get healthy. In the last few years, we've had some great things published about how uh, fasting actually can help you cognitively. That fasting is actually part of a healthy lifestyle. And that's great. I, I think there's even like a spiritual, emotional, physical component to all of that. But we don't just fast and, and call it a spiritual thing simply to drop a few LBs. <laughs> we also don't fast in order to make God a vending machine. Meaning, we don't fast to say, God, I'm doing this, so you better do this. I remember as a little kid loving vending machines, but one of the nightmares of any vending machine experience is when you put your dollar in, first you had to kind of get it all straight, right? Because if you put it in, it would pull out, remember these days? And then you'd put your dollar in, finally to accept it, and then you'd go E6, I want that Snickers, and then it would just get stuck. Do you remember this? Anybody ever have this happen before? Maybe it was Northern California. Our vending machines weren't as nice as the ones down here. But uh, you'd see it get stuck, and you'd be like, no! You'd be like pounding on the glass, like, no! I just lost my Snickers! That has nothing to do with this message, but I just needed to get that out right there. 
We don't fast to put God on the hook to say, God, uh, you owe me something. Fasting is to enjoy being with God, not to make him do something. And as Matthew 6 says, it's not to look spiritual in front of others. What fasting can do, though, is expose us, which I think can be both a scary and a good thing. Richard Foster writes this, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. We cover up what is inside with food and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. I felt that yesterday. Often, if I'm feeling happy, I eat, like all of us. If I'm feeling stressed, I eat. If I'm feeling sad, I eat. My go-to in all of those emotions is peanut butter and crackers. <laughs> it's like my emotional uh, blanket in a sense. <laughs> I'm sure you have your own things in that way too. I often bypass God. I step over God in a sense and go to food for comfort, to meet my needs, to give me peace. All the while, God is waiting here to be with me. To say, Matt, I am with you when you celebrate. Matt, I am with you when you're stressed. Matt, I am with you when you're sad. Fasting can be a tool to remind us of those things. But again, lots of warnings in the scripture. Isaiah 58, one of the, the premier chapters when it comes to talking about fasting in the Bible. And God didn't accept the fast of, of the people during Isaiah's day because they fasted, but it was all about them and their lifestyle didn't change. In other words, they didn't allow themselves to be with God in this practice and for God to transform them. The beauty is when we're with God, he changes us. One last thing. Fasting is not a practice that we do apart from prayer. Prayer and fasting go hand in hand. It's like peanut butter and jelly. You see like what I did there? It's like food, peanut butter, and jelly. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> fasting and prayer are bedfellows, bedfellows together. What are some ways that, that prayer is used with fasting? One, it's to repent. When you're not going for food, for comfort, and that, and that moment, and that season, God exposes things in your life that, that need to be brought before him and, and taken to the cross. And so we see throughout the scriptures, and, and we even see in our own lives, the invitation from God to use fasting for repentance, to allow God to deal with our sin for us to run to the cross for forgiveness and to be made clean. Also, fasting and prayer, it's to, it's to get clarity on the future. It's to, it's to seek God's will. Lord, should, should I go to this college or this college? Lord, this headhunter is inviting me to apply for this job. Should I do it? Should I marry this person? Should we go on vacation here? Now again, God's not a vending machine. We fast to enjoy the witness of God, 
But often in that withness, God gives us clarity and direction, which leads to the final one, which is focus. It's the idea that in fasting, God allows you to focus in on him. As you struggle with hunger, he allows you to take that hunger and apply it to seeking, talking, listening to him. And so, you knew this was coming. (laughs) I want to invite you to fast this Wednesday. It's Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement on Wednesday. What a cool way on that particular day where Jewish people throughout the world will be gathering in synagogues and they'll be fasting. How cool would it be for us as Christians to also take this Day of Atonement and just do a small, simple fast. I'm going to invite you this Wednesday to to fast from breakfast or lunch or both, breaking the fast at dinner. Now, again, if you have a medical situation or there's an issue that you have with food, then you can find something else to fast from. But the majority of us, I want to invite you to take this on on Wednesday. And we'll be sending some social media cues to remind you of this. Aaron Holm and I will be going live at noon on Wednesday to encourage you if you want to tune in on social media, Facebook, to find us there. And there's great resources that you can even find on our website online, just even that go a little bit deeper into this whole idea of fasting, longer than the time that I have here this morning. So I encourage you uh, to dig into this, uh, to discover this wonderful practice for yourself. Now, I mentioned that I'm a novice at fasting. And so I wanted to invite one of my brothers up who's had a little bit more experience than me just to give you his own testimony on this. And so will you welcome Brian Smith with me? Brian's going to come up right now. (laughs) Brian and Amy and their kids have been serving in hard places throughout the world over the last several years. Uh, Through circumstances, they're now here in California for a season, and Brian is on our staff right now, working in our REACH department, which we're so excited for. And so welcome officially to that, Brian. Uh, Sorry, I got a little close to you. I'll back up. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) But uh, tell us, as we've been talking uh, over this idea of fasting, you've had some experience, so tell us your experiences in this. Yeah, so first of all, I'm not like a fasting aficionado. I'm definitely still learning and growing in this, but over the last like maybe five years, It's kind of been one of the primary spiritual disciplines that God's been developing in me in ways I've been connecting with the Lord. And sometimes I think, God, why can't I be like Eric frolicking in the mountains of Europe (laughs) connecting with God? (laughs) But it's it's okay. I'll I'll take that up with the Lord in heaven. Um, But in all seriousness, it's been um, so helpful. A friend of mine told me early on that... um, fasting without meeting with God is just going hungry. Mm. And so for me, that was super helpful in two ways. One is that early on, I wouldn't really meet with God, and I would just start getting really hangry. And my wife is like, this is not working. (laughs) And so I would just actually pull the plug on my fast, and I'd say, okay, I'll try again next week. Mm. And I felt so much grace from the Lord, like, I'm here to meet with you, but are you here, are you ready to meet with me? And so that really helps to just, like, receive grace from the Lord. Then second Mm. was when I actually planned it out and created space for the Lord, I received so much joy because Mm. I was realizing, like, wow, I am so dependent on God, not just for food, but like, actually, God, if you don't, and I began to pray this, God, if you don't show up, I'm, I'm done. I, mm-hmm. I can't make um, 
make disciples of Muslims. Mm. I can't, my marriage is not going to do well. I won't be a good husband or dad. Mm. I need you in all this. And then when I saw him working in me, mm. I'm like, God, this is all a gift from you. You're really with me. The Holy Spirit is walking with me in the day. And so it's just this joy building process for me. Mm. I love it. How would you, 99% of us have either never tried this practice or it's been a long time. Thoughts you have on encouraging us in that? Yeah, um, one thing is um, try to practice it often because there are going to be times where you're just like me, you're just going to fall on your face mm -hmm. and you're going to need to try it again. Uh, day one and two are the hardest. And so if you're doing um, a one-day fast or a two-day fast, it's just it's going to be hard. That's just the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And so know that going in. You're not a failure if, if it doesn't go well. Mm -hmm. um, and then it gets easier once you get three, uh, three days in and longer. It just gets whoa, a lot whoa, whoa, easier. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you say three days? <laughs> But practicing, I, I would do like once a week. Um, that's yeah. what I would do for the last couple of years, and it's been so helpful. Yeah. How neat. Um, would you just pray for us? Pray. I, I sense that we're kind of leaning into this, that this is a practice I think we want to try. Would you just pray the Spirit of God would just lead us according to his timeline, his grace like you mentioned, and just pray a prayer of encouragement over us. Sure. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just say that we need you in every aspect of our lives. We recognize our, our sheer dependence on you. Every good thing we have is from you. And so, um, Lord, I pray for each one of us, if you're calling us into fasting even this week or a regular pattern, Lord, we need you. We want to meet with you. And so, God, I ask for grace for each person that you're calling here at Calvary Church to jump into fasting more. Lord, I pray for grace to draw close to you. I pray for that wisdom to set aside time and make space and time for you in that, not just go hungry. And Lord, in this process, we, we don't twist your arm, but we, we get on our face and we say, God, meet us. We need you. And so in that space, God, I pray that you would speak to us so clearly as Calvary Church and in our lives. Um, so we just welcome you as by the power of your Holy Spirit to change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you. We're going to continue our worship service right now as we talk about fasting. It seems appropriate to now feast on Jesus Christ. So we're going to take communion together. And we're going to do it maybe a way that we haven't done it in a while here in this COVID world, but we're actually going to invite you as you uh, hear worship being played to stand up and to go to one of the stations and to grab the communion elements at the station. Just make that a prayerful walk. And as you walk to the tables and as you walk back, Lord, would you lead me in this whole area, this practice? What are you calling me to do? And then hold the elements and then we'll take them as a church family in just a few minutes. So I'm gonna invite you to get up, go to one of the tables and then return to your seat and then I'll lead you in a moment.
what a privilege it is to take this together as a family. If you could just look at the, the wafer in your hand. Remember the words of Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 35. I am, Jesus says, the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks for it. And he broke it in pieces and he said this, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread. Jesus goes on in John chapter 6, verse 35 to say, Whoever comes to me will not be thirsty. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he satisfies you. Scriptures say, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper. He said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Take the cup. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge that you are the bread of life. You are what satisfies our hunger and our thirst. God, thank you for forgiveness when we've chased things to fill us apart from you. Thank you, God, that you repeatedly call us back and when we come back you just say here's my grace and my love and my mercy god may we enjoy being with you in the name of christ amen